a French cow in San Luis Obispo? Even a French-speaking cow? Stay tuned. Good afternoon. This is Chrissy Hewitt, and Ears on Art today features artist, glass sculptor, Ted Emmerich. That's E-M-R-I-C-K. Ted and I have known each other for quite a few years through different arts organizations and activities, including a sculpture class at Cuesta. To my great misfortune, I had not spent much time really getting to know him, so this conversation was a wonderful eye-opener. When I arrived, he was standing out front next to his adventure vehicle. There's a picture of that on the KCBX Ears on Art website, and we'll be talking about it later. Join me now for this conversation with artist Ted Emmerich. I'm here in Los Osos with Ted Emmerich. Good afternoon. Hi, Cursa. How are you? I'm doing just fine. This is a long overdue interview in the sense that you have been around for quite a while in this community. When did you get here? Let's see. I moved here and went to Cuesta College in uh, 1980. I went there for about four and a half years. People ask me, what did you take there? I go... Well, you look at the art program, I took them all. I had a very good broad education too, whether it was ceramics or textile, and of course jewelry and later sculpture, and I like that breadth. And I've used everything, even the work that I do now with my glass casting, I use skills that came from bronze foundry to ceramics to um, printmaking. It all kind of adds to um, the uniqueness of the work. When did it start for you? I have a feeling it started before Cuesta. Oh, yeah. I'm, I won a painting contest in third grade. Hey! And, and that was a really leapfrog where um, they didn't know it at the time, but I was dyslexic. So they kept on testing me for all these different things. Like, no, this kid's got great eyesight. No, he, his hearing's really off the chart. Um, mm-hmm. He's got great skills, but when it comes to complex sentences, I really suffered. It was a great avenue, art. It became a language for me to use um, instead of the written word. It was more of a visual concept. I had a student at Cal Poly for several years who was also at Cuesta for 20-some years, severely dyslexic and certainly hands down one of the most interesting, innovative, talented people that I got to work with. I know I've got a degree of it, but I've never been tested, so I don't know where I am on that spectrum. You did the foundry class at Cuesta, bronze casting, and Henry Wessels was instrumental in getting me there. Fortunately, we often had Fridays without classes at Poly, and it was an all-day Friday class, so it worked in. I had bronze foundry with Barry France, and um, he was such a mentor. And uh, Jim Alfred's one of my favorites. He was my painting and contemporary art and design. I still am in contact with Jim in Santa Fe, New Mexico. We trade art back and forth, and uh, he's always been an inspiration, you know, not only in painting, but just visualization and creativity. And that's what I think has been the forefront of my uh, career in art. I have him and a lot of these wonderful teachers to thank. Would you say that you tend to do more three-dimensional than two-dimensional? 
mostly three-dimensional sculptures. I do a lot of work with glass. I've been doing a lot of casting and from doing it for so many years, it's become a language and a certain degree of quality and light comes from it that I haven't been able to really make with any other medium. If I was to be known, I would probably be a sculptor. But as time goes on, I realize really it's just creativity. Exactly. I use creativity not only in the work that I do, but when I donate time to the high schools or the college lecturing at Cal Poly, really they want me there for the creativity. And I think that's a really interesting thing that I've used is I've taken this kind of handicap of dyslexia and turned it into something that has actually added to my life. And then I can give that way of being creative. It doesn't matter what you're working with, science, writing. It's just the creative process that I find really fascinating. It's really helped me out through my years. We have often enjoyed discussing that breadth of that term. Do you have other words that you would use besides creativity to kind of define what that process is for you? It's a hard thing to explain. It's like right now I'm creating what I call an adventure vehicle and I'm actually sculpting a big truck and that's camper shell. And I know it's good when time evaporates, when I walk up to something in the morning and then I'm upset that it's getting dark and I realized I've worked from sunup to sundown. That's when you know the creative process is really moving. So I don't know if I have an exact word um, for that. That description that you just gave is as good as anything. And the term that I have been using in the last several years is problem solving. Yeah, that would be a good one. And it's really interesting, uh, my family, as they watch me struggle through it, they always said, it's an opportunity, it's not a problem. I look at things um, in the light of opportunities to have a chance to challenge myself. You know, that's why I kind of giggle at this whole uh, truck adventure I'm doing right now, an adventure vehicle. It's just a big adventure in problem solving. I'm so invested in it. Well, I had the advantage of seeing it when I came in, and it's not only a truck, it's a truck with a boat on top, in essence. So talk about it a little bit. A friend of mine, Brian, made this incredible vehicle. He's a nautical mechanical engineer, and he took an old tugboat and created a camper shell out of it. And this was not only a camper shell, but it was a car hauler and a boat hauler. I know a boat that can carry a boat is called a ship. So I don't know if this truck is called anything else, but it was just wonderful. Um, he unfortunately passed away, and his wife, Kathy, didn't know what to do with it. And my daughter looked at me, and she goes, Papa, let's make a camper out of it. I've been invested into it ever since. And how long has that been? <laughs> well, it's been just about three and a half weeks now. Um, actually, it, it seems like just yesterday. But um, I look at the, the pile of parts and pieces that sit in my driveway, and it looks like a, a sculpture in itself. I have so many friends and creative people in the area. My friend Steve Watt just came over here, and he's part of Seacoast Construction. He is such a master, and 
we started talking. We just took off. And he is so wonderful to talk to and such a mentor for me. And I have people in my life like this that I'm able to interact with and pull in skills and give out skills. So it's not only am I being inspired, but I'm inspiring others to be creative. So I, I look at this as a, this wild adventure that is kind of leading me to hopefully another avenue in art. I have, I've been creating works here since 87. I opened my first gallery art studio here in Baywood. I walked down the little street of Baywood the other day and I just realized, wow, okay, I did that okay. I raised my daughter, I coached soccer, I, I donated to the community, I made an art career, I built my two or three of my own homes, and I'm at this precipice of life right now. And it's not like, oh, it's over. It's kind of like wondering where the next adventure is going to be. And it's funny that this truck kind of fell into my life. It's not so much about the truck. It's about the adventure and stimulating that new creative process of what life is about. Process becomes such a integral and vital part of what we do that when the process stops, is kind of, oh, that was nice. What's next? It's a scary spot for artists. And I was... I tell you the truth. I was at that place. I didn't know where to go. I had, I had this dead energy. I was at a precipice. I was looking over the edge. Is this all there is? And then I kind of went, well, I've done this well so far. And where do I go from here? This truck is just an avenue mm -hmm. to start on another adventure. I perceive it's going to open up this whole nother expression of creativity and sculptures or paintings. I'm interested in revisiting these old three-dimensional paintings I used to do, paintings on glass. Mm -hmm. And actually, that was part of uh, Jim Alfred. I throw that right back at you, Jim. Love you, man. I, I remember I was doing a, a, a senior project. I had no money. I could not buy paints. I could not buy a canvas. It was the end of the year. I didn't know what to do. But leaning up against my house was panels of glass, old glass from a building, and some house paint. And I started painting. And just like this truck, I lost time. I brought these paintings in. I mean, they're, most, they're still drying. <laughs> and there was two or three of them. I left and there was a grading process and I came back a few days later and a couple of the teachers congratulated me and I kind of looked at them strangely, you know, congratulations for the final project. And, and I walked up and my painting was gone. I go, where's my painting? Well, Jim brought them in for this competition for the San Francisco Art Institute scholarship. And by the way, you won. And it just <laughs> totally changed my life, this painting on glass. I got into the Art Institute. I was doing these giant paintings on glass. I just I had work into the San Francisco Rental uh, Museum of Modern Art Rental Gallery. I had three or four shows rolling, um, and it, it kind of steamrolled. And then finally, they pulled me out of my painting class, and they walked me into the sculpture to Richard Berger. And this great big guy, he looks over at me, and he goes, is this the guy? 
And, and the painting instructor goes, oh, yeah, this, this is Ted. They looked at me and they go, Ted, you make sculptures now. And I go, no, 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 no. I'm on a painting scholarship. And they go, no, you make sculptures. And by the way, we know that you know all the tools here. Could you make sure the kids don't cut their arms off, their fingers off? And by the way, we're going to give you the, the studio in the center of the department. It, this incredible steamroll of life and creativity wow. that I just fell into. I'm sorry, I kind of took oh, you off. Oh, no, that's a, that's a story well worth telling many times over. As you say, that whole thing of being in the midst of something and then if that ends, there often is just that sense of, oh my God, what next? Different people on this program have talked about the good work comes from doing work. If you sit around waiting for that big moment of inspiration, a lot's gonna pass you by. This is part of my new work. I was walking down the beach and I found this root bulb for um, some kelp. They dry on the beach. And, and I started sculpting these elongated skulls and, and things that I'm interested in. This was about a, a foot and a half long by a foot tall. And then I sculpted it down and it looks like this big brain that's coming out of this face. I study petroglyphs and ancient cultures from around the world, there's this interesting thing that keeps gnawing at me. I need to know the truth. And I don't think we're getting the full truth of what's out there. It's, it's kind of like the evidence is there. I look for the evidence and, uh. and it doesn't add up. So I'm, I'm having this fun little cross between the curiosity of the things that I look at and study, the petroglyphs and the ancient cultures, and the cross between the artwork, creating the conversation about it and keeping it on the lips. It helps me understand it more. Mm -hmm. I think this is a kind of heading towards the new series of work. When you start activating that part of your brain, it starts running and being creative. I always tell my clients, don't trust an artist with a clean studio because when when I'm active, I make a mess. My daughter just goes, oh my God, Dad, what has happened here? I'm the classic artist that I just totally get lost and buried and time disappears. And then all of a sudden you find yourself running to the bathroom because you've been holding it because, <laughs> because you, you had to finish something on the table and you're so excited, that's when you're making the good stuff. And when I spend time, I call them the next generation. I don't like calling them kids because they inspire me. High school age, mostly, that you're volunteering with? Or is it run the gamut? You know, it was interesting. My daughter, about six years ago, was at uh, Morrow Bay High School. And she took a ceramic class. And I was so excited. She's so creative. And she wouldn't say anything. And I kind of held back. And after about three weeks, I go, oh, my God, I've had enough. How is that ceramic class? She goes, it's okay. And when my daughter says something's okay, it's, there's something really wrong. And I go, what's going on? She goes, well, they have these wheels and stuff. I want to do the wheels, but there's 35 kids in each class. And she can't go out there to help us with this. And I sat there and I listened and I showed up the next day. I walked into Katrina Osborne's class and I go, I'm here to help, uh, do you need anything? 
And she goes, do you have any background? And I go, well, I have 10 years of high school and college, and I worked in a professional workshop, and I've done this. And she goes, that's enough. <laughs> Where can you help me? And I go, you know what? I love to teach him the wheel because I worked in a professional workshop as a ceramicist and throw 100 pots a day. I can take maybe five at a time, and then I'll rotate in maybe another five. And long as I can complement what you're doing, I think we can, I can do something here for you ended up being there for five years. I just love working with Katrina. She's just so creative. And hopefully I just complimented what she wanted to do with the class. We had so much fun, inspired so many students. And these are the next generation I talk about. And they're just, they're part of my tribe. I bet. With the cow parade, when did you start working on the cow? Oh, that was um, last year or the year before project. They asked me to do a cow, and I said, no. I flat out told them no. And just for edification, this was the countywide project that was sponsored in part by Arts Obispo, raising money, but also having the fun of how many? A couple hundred cows, maybe? All over the county, and then auctioned off, and your students did one that I came within two or three seconds of being able to purchase. I got aced out. I flat out told them, no, I don't want to do this because I'm too busy. I'm donating time to the high school. I have four or five large art commissions that I'm doing. I'm, I can't do this. Came back at me, oh, we, the city of Morro Bay wants you to do this. And I started thinking, wow, maybe I can get my kids, you know, this next generation to work on it. And what I've been trying to inspire them is to work as a group and make something larger than themselves, to inspire something different in the community. And it kind of fell right into the language I was working with with them. I went in to talk to Katrina about the project because it was a very large project and uh, she loved it. It reached so many different parts of the school. Uh, We had the French class come in, French class and a science class. Everybody wanted to do a tile on this cow to represent a a much larger concept. You know, if you work something with your hands and maybe speak the language, I told the kids, you have to speak French to me and tell me what you're doing. And you have to make me understand. And I don't speak French. Not only are they putting this thought process into a different part of their brain, but they're also working with their hands And that also puts that signal of French into another part of the brain so they could really access this information that they're giving out. And the teacher was so thrilled because she could see the improvements in the kids' language skills. All of a sudden, I realized, wow, are we making ceramics? Are we being creative and working on the creative thought process? So it really had a larger meaning to itself. I remember a couple of the kids, they wanted to do this thing about don't eat beef. Oh, can we do that? I go, yeah, you, you can do this. And it, at every point and every tile and every piece, there was a story. I always told them, I want to see you 10 years from now to touch that tile and remember that thought process. You know, sometimes in conversations, you feel like you're just opening something that has miles to go. So thank you so much, Ted. Krista, thank you so much for coming over. This has been Ears on Art, and our guest today has been Ted Emmerich from Los Osos. This is Krista Hewitt, 
And on behalf of co-host Stephen DeLuke, to thank you so much for listening. <laughs>